welcome to the Bully Pulpit Podcast. My name is Josh Holler, your host, and it's my great pleasure to welcome my friend and colleague, Rabbi Samuel K. Joseph, who is the Eleanor Sinsheimer Distinguished Service Professor of Jewish Education and Leadership Development at my institution, the Hebrew Union College Jewish Institute of Religion in Cincinnati. It's a great pleasure to have you here, Sam. Thanks for coming. Thanks, Josh. I'm looking forward to our conversation. It's great. We've been uh, discussing in previous conversations leadership and education in our shared context of HUC. But if you look around you and speak to our uh, colleagues in the field, lay leadership in the reform movement and synagogue life, the narrative is often a negative one, a confusing one, uh, one that feels like there's some disarray or fear or disintegration, even not wholesale disintegration, but some uh, fraying of, uh, of institutions in the synagogue. Is, it, is that something that's really happening? Is this something we can address, or should we view it differently? Yeah, I think it's probably happening, but it, it, the problem is that people construct this stuff in a binary way. It's, you know, it's good or bad, and everything is, is this either or rather than both and. Synagogues are not actually closing. I mean, because of the economy in 08, 09, there's been some mergers. Uh, we Jews have always you know, been quick at breaking away and starting congregations, and it's sometimes hard to maintain these financially. But I don't, I th- I don't people are joining synagogues, maybe not as much as others would want. Uh, synagogues are not folding. The, the big conversation is about how engaging it is, and what does it mean to be an engaging conversation in so 2015. So, so what does that mean? Well, uh, actually, I'm not sure, and the reason is because, and, and it relates to something I, I really feel passionate about, which is about our what I think really is a problem in the synagogue, which is about our lay leadership. What the synagogue means to somebody, we can talk about it 50,000 feet easily, and it's something that is, the synagogue helps me have a rich, full, meaningful Jewish life. Now, once you go below 50,000 feet, the issue is, what does that mean within a cultural context of where I live? I think it's very different. If you're living, you know, in the San Fernando Valley versus if you're living in San Francisco versus you're living in San Diego. And so it's very hard to make these gross generalizations about it. Which means it's very hard to address it because you have to break it down case by case. Yeah, and that's that's my my taina, my my argument, my upset with the lay leadership. And I'm very exercised uh, by this self-congratulatory stuff that goes on in many congregations. Uh, uh, that we, you know, that we have leadership development programs, and you know, we get people in the pipeline. Uh, the reality is that for all kinds of reasons, people do or don't agree to be on a board. Uh, but I don't think that we are good, both in the, in the professional sense, the rabbis, etc., nor the people that have that are already on the board of what someone needs to do be once they're on on that board. It's it's a vexing problem in nonprofits. I think everywhere, isn't it? It's a very difficult uh, practical problem. Yeah, it is. Because, well, look, so the, so the old statement that you probably know is you recruit somebody that fulfills the three W's. Three W's. Right? Work, well, wealth, work, and work, wisdom. wisdom. And work, right. And then the corollary is if you can't some, find somebody with three, you settle for two. <laughs> but the problem is that a lot of places settle for one. So you get a, first thing, you get a unidimensional or monodimensional board to start with. If you throw that into this milieu that you have to be democratic, what democratic means, it's code in our synagogues for don't fill the board with rich people. That's what actually people are yeah, saying. I agree that that is code. Yes. Yeah, and the problem, of course, with that is ain't kemach in If you actually don't have the, the dough, the money, you know, <laughs> we're not. So you do need some, some people with money, but anything that's 
that's mono set is, is going to be a problem. But on top of that, we actually put the wrong style of people onto the board. So if you ask yourself, how does one get sort of seen in the congregational setting, I call, to tell my students, I call it Congo land. In Congo <laughs> land, how do you identify somebody for leadership? So, of course, again, if you think somebody has some means, that's, that becomes pretty known, and that, that's one way. Um, uh, but the other more, I think, equally as big way is that somebody does a lot, right? If somebody has baked a billion cookies for the ONIG, right? right they stand out. They stand out. Uh, and they're actually, in the main, 150% wrong for the board. Because the board needs people that are not doers. The board actually needs people that are thinkers. And we set up the board uh, to be like the major leagues, right? If you've done all this good work, you have to be re right. rewarded you've by getting Gone through the AAAs. And right, that, exactly. Yeah. And mm -hmm. it's very frustrating because uh, we, we set it up so hierarchically and we don't say to people... Your gifts are manifest in many ways in the congregation, and the board isn't the biggest prize. It is one thing that happens, and they have a very specific job. But that's very difficult not to view hierarchically the relationship between the board and the person who helps out in the kitchen. Although you have implicitly criticized the, the <clears throat> desire for quote-unquote democracy, uh, or at least challenged its suppositions, you're arguing for an even more radical form of democracy. I am. I am, and I think that uh, it is it is totally countercultural. It's very difficult. Have, uh, for a lot of reasons, just to remind the, the listeners to this, is if you think about how most Americans are enculturated into this kind of stuff, uh, it starts early. If you were in school student councils, if you were in you know Boy Scouts or Girl Scouts, sure. if you were in youth group, it's all set up around stuff that actually... Uh, some of it, by the way, is countercultural, I believe, to Jewish, Jewish culture. I'll, if I'll go on that tangent for a second, one of the things that's really countercultural Jewish uh, uh, functioning is Robert's Rules of Order. Uh, and Robert's an interesting that's fellow. Uh, he was a Huguenot, you know, French Protestants. Uh, they went from uh, Canada, Acadia, down to, uh, to Louisiana, where they're called Cajuns, which is short for Acadian. Uh, right? And he was a general. During the Civil War, he was at West Point. He became a general. He's like under 30. And he was sent after the Civil War to these forts out you know, beyond the Mississippi River. And since little towns grew around these forts, he had to run the town meetings. And when he retired, he said it was the worst thing he ever did in his life. <laughs> and he imagine? wrote this book of rules, The Family Still Has the Rights, wow. to this day. Nice. But the purpose of Robert's Rules is to close discussion. And is there anything more countercultural to Jews right, than closing, closing discussion, discussion, right? right. So we have, we have this whole meeting after the meeting in the parking lot, which, of course, right. you know, General, uh, uh, General Roberts would be out of his mind. Right, right, right. right. So, so we have lots of, I and mean, I try to teach a consensus decision-making, which is really what we do. Uh, but it's that, so that, 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 that runs against our uh, Anglo strain. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So I, I'm really saying that uh, we should try to flatten the hierarchy in the synagogue all about who's in charge. Because being in charge of the food in the kitchen is equally as important as making sure that the budget fits what the mission and the vision is. But using people in the skills and the tools and the gifts they bring isn't hierarchical that you, are, you have more power than somebody else has power in this. Uh, so that is that's very very hard. It's a, it's a hard it's, it's a hard sell. It, it's a hard sell. You have to have some people with wealth anywhere within a synagogue because we do need the money for the congregation and we can't pay the bills. You do certainly need some people that are wise with the three W's. 
uh, I think that, that a board should be overweighted on the wisdom side, because I translate that as being reflective and being conceptual. The people that are wise are the ones that really don't want to make do the own egg or stuff envelopes or make phone calls, and you need you and their style is perfect for that for the for the board. Even more, and this is hard for again current board members and clergy to hear. The people I think this should be for all the leaders, but the board it's it's an all the more so. They should actually be the most expert sociologists and cultural anthropologists of their community Jewishly. I ask every board, what does it mean to be a Jew in your town? I'm an outsider. I, I, because if you have a synagogue in town, a congregation, you know what it's like to be Jewish there. You know what's good about it, hard about it, fun about it, not. And so your decisions of what a synagogue is and what a Jewish community is will be both wise and grounded. And you, And so I believe like every board meeting, should be some conversation about, you know, if so everybody talks about the Pew study, but every board should have been looking at that in the sense of what does that mean for me if I'm in Merced, Merced right. California? Well, I mean, what does that mean for us? The, uh, a lot of this stuff is very biased also, right? Because, uh, uh, you know, the heresy is the bias of New York. Right. Right? Uh, so that there's the old New Yorker magazine cover where right, there's right, nothing right, west right. of the Hudson. Yeah. So there's a New York bias. Uh, there was just a very interesting article in, I don't know if it's was Haaretz or Mariv, of the several recent reform rabbis that have been serving in L.A. have now been gotten jobs in Manhattan. Have uh, you, have you right. seen this? Sure. No, but uh, Rachel Timoner. Right. And, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and Stephanie Collins. So Stephanie you know what's Collins. funny about that? Huh. They're all New Yorkers. They're all New Yorkers. That's right? right? So they went to California maybe to go to school, to work and jobs. stuff. You're right, right. They found out about the waves and the tofu and, <laughs> the, and the sprouts, right? And now they're going back to the motherland, right, to the, the Jerusalem right, right, of the right, East. Right, right, right. I, I have yet to be at a, at a congregation where people knew in advance before I asked it this question about, you know, well, what is, what is it? About you, what is the sociology of the Jewish community? Who, what are what really is our, our ages and the family configurations? And so the you're talking about a, a, a capacity to apply one's wisdom because of one's experience and, and 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 location. That these are located people and they know their location and that constitutes their wisdom for being on the board, or at least partially. I'm, I'm actually saying that and more. I don't know how you make a decision of what your purpose should be, your raison d'être, which we call the mission, and your vision of what a better what our, what our sort of messianic hopes are, in a way, without having that embedded in the reality of being Jewish and maybe, all, again, all the more so being a Reformed Jew or a non-Orthodox Jew sure. in, in that milieu. All of us as leaders and organizations have the same four finite resources. Money, time, people, space. It's finite. And some of it may have more within that finite, but it's finite. So how you distribute that is about your values. Well, how do you know how to distribute it if you don't understand what we're all about? We spend time worrying about the carpeting or the lighting or the color of the walls without actually thinking about, the, you know, sort of what's the takeaway? What's the end of all of this? So you make a compelling argument for wisdom. God knows we, we could all use some <laughs> of that. And, uh, and it makes sense that they should be on the board. What about the workers? Nobody is so unidimensional and, you know, that they're only workers. So let's take the people that we call the worker bees that really do like to get there. They don't want to 
spend a lot of time on a conversation like this. Just tell me what to do, and I'm going to get it done. Right. The um, executors may be better. Yeah, the ex yes, exactly, the executors. As, as mature adults, uh, it doesn't mean that they're like mindless robots that are in some assembly line in a factory. Uh, the if they understand that what they're executing, what ultimately that's bringing about, and whether what they're executing is a means at the time or an ends at the time, how that fits into the larger picture, they need to be part of that conversation. It's just, it's like the old joke about, you know, on what syllable do you put the emphasis? So, so <laughs> right? right? So I'm going to put the emphasis on the execution side, but you're using all the others. But if you're the, if you're, let's say you're the rabbi and the president of the congregation, you're thinking about, we've got to fill some seats on our board. So the first thing I say to them is, Nobody is better than a bad body. For sure, sure. don't fill it. And, Just and, to fill and it. And this right. is violated all the time. All the time. And, and that, why, why do you think it's violated? Especially if the, it, 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 you would expect it to be violated because they have someone wealthy. And they, and they may not need a wealthy person on the right. board at this time, but they need the wealth or, or what have you. Uh, but but I'm tro I'm confused. Why, it, barring that, where where you see someone wealthy and you want to fill the, the, the seat just because you can, why would you rush to fill I, a seat? Right, I think there's a couple of reasons. I think interrelated. I think it doesn't look right to them in their mind's eye that there's an the, empty, empty seat on the board. The and nature pours a vacuum, right. which is the same thing. But it's an imaginary vacuum. Though. It is, These right. don't have statutory numbers. Exactly. Right. Some, some do in their bylaws about voting. They'll say maybe, you know, like 25 seats and you know, okay. what the quorum is. But at the end of the day, it's just so countercultural to say, if we don't have the right person. And by the way, I just want to add, I, I picked on the wealthy that I don't want to overweight them on the board. Usually the reason to leave an empty seat, by the way, is not good human relations skills. That's usually. We, because You mean someone will, will, will spoil the tone? or Yeah, they have, they do, it's hard for our congregations. They don't spend enough time scoping out the pool of potential board members right. and test it out to say, at the end of the day, all the gifts this person brings, the one that they lack in, is good human relations skills, and that's going to subvert everything else we're trying to do. Right. Uh, the purpose of our leadership development program, among many things, should be testing that part out. How do they get along with a large group? How would they, if you give them small projects? And, and how do you test it? Well, I mean, I, yeah. You, I mean, you test it by putting them on a committee, or, or you test it right. by. And in a leadership development group, I took, believe that good leadership development programs include. It's not really true what I call it, but I call it service learning. That you put. You're making twos or threes, and you give them a real project, like um, do an audit of all the communication stuff that we do in the congregation. Collect the wisdom from Benamis for Families for the last three years and put it in one digital source so a new bar bar family can find out everything from a photographer caterer to how do we make this meaningful. Right. Do some sort of evaluation audit of Oneg, Preneg, or Kiddush. So give them a real project that advances the congregation, but how do they work? How do they work with a partner or two? How do they report that to the board? You could do things to see if they have the, 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 the human relations skills. But this started with the problem of filling a seat just to fill a seat. The, the, the other part that, that where, they, where, where there's a problem is they don't, they're not good at giving uh, what the technical term is called a charter. It's sort of the job description of when you're on a committee or a task force or what's the charter, it's the jargon. Actually, what is a board member expected to do? Yeah, that, 
And how do we hold their feet to the fire? And do we actually allow for evaluating? Do we also collective evaluate the board once a year? And do we give people an opportunity to evaluate themselves as a board member? And do we give a way for somebody to bow gracefully off of a board? That's right. And, and to help replace yeah, themselves. Absolutely. Well, I mean, all way. of that is. So you can hear, I'm very, I always feel like I'm, you know, I'm talking to the wall uh, about this kind of stuff. You feel you're talking to the wall because people probably, probably the resistance is not active resistance. It's a much deeper resistance, which is inertia. Absolutely. And, and that's harder in its way than a, than a full frontal resistance to a kind of. Yeah. I had this morning, I was said to a rabbi, talking about things in some of the workshops I've been doing recently, and they said, I said, you know, the top three or four things you should be doing, fundraising and leadership development are probably the top one or two or three. And he looked at me and said, I'm not good at it. Right. You know, and so I think he's being really honest. I think there's answers to that. Sure. How to get support and coach sure. and stuff. Uh, uh, what happens is that the rabbis and the congregation actually pay a price for it. Wait. For the fundraising, it's obvious what the price is, but for no leadership development, we, we put either well-meaning people in positions where they can't succeed, and, or worse, we put ill-willed people, which happens, yeah. in positions where they hurt, hurt all of us. Um, and I'll just say, I, I would say more than once a year, I'm at a board to do some consulting. I meet board members or leaders that haven't been members more than two years. Right. I, I want to, like, cry. <laughs> I mean, right? So they haven't been tested. They can't have been tested. And how do you know the culture? How do right. you know the values? So tell me, uh, wrap us up with a, bring us home with a, with a success story. There are some congregations uh, that actually feel so committed to their values and their vision that it pervades everything. So I'll, I'll give you one congregation. A congregation that's between the Rockies and the Alleghenies, about 500 households, been around probably about 60, 70 years. They revisit their mission and vision probably about every three, four years. It is in different forms and different sizes displayed on the walls all through their building. A laminated, I love laminating machines when I was in youth group, a laminated copy of such sits in front of every board member at every meeting. Depending on the committee, it sits there. It's, it's talked about several times a year on purpose uh, from the BEMA uh, by different, different people. They train the nominating committee. A nominating committee actually meets with a trainer before they ever do anything else of where they go, they spend a couple hours, let's go over the vision and the mission, let's talk about the bylaws, let's talk about what's the challenge of being on the board before they ever begin to talk about a person. Leadership development is multidimensional, so what does that mean? We run programs for novices. My, my, my criticism of that, it's easy. It's easy to teach novices. What we don't do is take people that have been on the board several years and say, how do we, you know, Josh Holler's been on the board for three years. Let's say his term is three years. And the rabbi and a couple of executive people say, you know what, we should track him into executive leadership. This is a guy that we could envision maybe as president. We don't do anything with those people. It has to be like the influenza model of development (laughs) where they catch it in some way. And so that's a problem. Uh, But this place is very intentional. So it's so the other word I would say as we move to the end of this conversation is it's also a lot about intentionality. Yeah, sure. You've got to keep your eye on the ball. And, you gotta... and being very clear, this is what our mission is, this is what our vision, this is what our values, are we aligned, how's everything, how's everything go flow that way, and 
And then people, by the way, are going to give money. Sure. They right, because it makes sense. confidence. Yeah. And they see this. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's a, that's a recipe for success, I take it. And um, I look forward to to engaging with that discussion. Uh, board relations loom large for all of us. Uh, yeah, well, I hope this has been helpful to the listeners. By all means, I have no doubt. Thank you very You're much, welcome. Professor Joseph, for yeah. taking the time. It's Thank a pleasure you. to talk to you. Okay.